Hello, everyone, and welcome to this, the 400th episode of Fusion Patrol. For this week's episode, we decided that we wanted to do something a little special. Now, a few months ago, we recorded the podcast on the classic BBC serial Quatermass and the Pit, and we decided after we had recorded it that it was just such an amazing piece of television that we wanted to hold our podcast back for a special episode of the show. So here it is for episode 400 of Fusion Patrol, Quatermass and the Pit. We take a single episode of a science fiction TV series and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. This is the Fusion Patrol Podcast. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm Simon. And tonight we're looking at the, well, I think we can safely call it the classic Nigel Neal BBC serial Quatermass and the Pit from 1958. Respected scientist Bernard Quatermass, 58, well, 58, 59, it crossed the boundaries. Certainly Uh, did. Yes, it did. Respected scientist Bernard Quatermass of the British Experimental Rocket Group is drawn into a strange mystery when fossils of human ancestors are discovered at an excavation site at Hobbs Lane. Dated to five million years ago and representing a missing link in man's evolution, the paleontologist Roni rushes against the clock to collect the fossils before construction work begins again. Things get strange when what appears to be a German unexploded bomb is found at the site, and now everything gets shut down while the bomb disposal squad examines the mysterious object. Quatermass pulls strings to get Colonel Breen of the BXRG, his official second-in-command, but actually his planned replacement, to intervene with the bomb disposal group and to do some study. The so-called bomb is something quite different. Non-metallic, hollow, with traces of five million year old radiation. It seems as if the fossilized humans may have been inside. Strange noises begin plaguing the people, and Quatermass takes an interest in local legends of ghosts that have rendered a nearby building uninhabited. The area, and even the name, Hobbs Lane, have a long supernatural tradition. Then an interior hatch is opened, and inside are three arthropod corpses. It eventually becomes clear to everyone but Colonel Breen that this is a spaceship, not a German bomb. Cratermass and Roney hypothesize that the ship came from Mars, and that these creatures may have been tampering with mankind, making it into the creature he is today, and that these creatures may be the source of many of our legends about the supernatural. Breen and the Ministry dismiss this idea in favor of their own concoction, that the ship is a hoax perpetrated by the Germans at the end of World War II that went wrong. And while Quatermass and Roney gather more evidence that the ship's construction is having more and more effects on people in the area, the Ministry opens up the site to the press to peddle their German hoax story. An accidental influx of electrical power to the spaceship, and all hell breaks loose. Okay, save what hell broke loose for the discussion. So, Quatermass, Quatermass, um, this, um, it, it's, it is hard to even begin to place Quatermass, Quatermass, not Quatermap, Quatermass on the map of science fiction in, uh, in a context that will work universally. I think for our British listeners, it is 
probably a more prominent bit of the cultural backdrop for a number of reasons, less so in the United States. Um, but either way, clearly a heavily influential work. Um, these are themes that will show up, not just in this Quatermass serial, but some of the others, uh, time and time again from this point forward. And um, uh, it, it's, it's kind of difficult to, to even try to downplay how important some of this stuff is uh, in, in science fiction and, and TV as we know it this day. Now, my understanding is you've never seen this or any variations of Quatermass or any of the movies or anything like that, except maybe the BBC remake in what, 2009? 2005, the, um, the remake of the Quatermass experiment is, is yeah, that's the only, the only actual original serial that I have seen. And I, I am familiar with some elements of the plot from this because mm-hmm. its influence is so great that there were a number of contemporary parodies, one of which is a, a particularly good Goon Show episode. But I don't think that quite counts. I think uh, there's a lot of... Um, uh, well, all right, let me, let me, we'll, we'll come back to that influence in a second. I, for our American listeners, so the BBC, Nigel Neal wrote a serial called The Quatermass Experiment in, I don't have the exact date in front of me, in the 50s. 1953. 53. At this time, the BBC was broadcasting plays as live. So a television production that was staged was staged and not recorded. And when they so did... That, yeah. There, that, when, ju- yeah. Go ahead. Just, just to be pernickety about the details, as live normally refers to the process of doing a production as if it were live, but recording it onto videotape, because... If you needed to make an edit, it would be very expensive to do. It would be possible, but almost never. Okay, fair and distinction. That was the case for a lot of early 60s stuff. At the point this was going out, it was actually live. So exactly what you're describing, but actually live. Actually live. And then when they would do a repeat later in the week, they staged it again. And through peculiarities with Screen Actors Guild, um, sometimes the second broadcast could be recorded but there were no practical means to record it other than pointing a camera at the screen and recording a film camera at the screen and recording it and so they didn't always do that um and Quatermass experiment is gone it it simply wasn't Mostly. recorded yeah i mean there's little bits so they do occasionally record there's two, bits there's two to, episodes to, episodes to one and two they did then yeah i guess they did that at the start to show they were thinking they might, and then they decided, nah, why bother? It's not even a loss. It's they quit recording it as it went on during the show because it just what what they the reason they would record it sometimes, um, you know, it was kind of a far cry from the days when they're trying to shop things like Doctor Who around other countries. But they would um, they'd use it for press materials. They use it for um, the recaps for the next episode. Um, it, Do you know it, any more? I, it's, this is a little bit of a tangent, but it's been it's been really bugging me watching this mm-hmm. because it's so I don't I don't quite know why, but it's so evident when you're watching it that it's live and actually live because I mean there's no real difference in the process between something that is broadcast live and something that is recorded as live. But mm-hmm. it really feels it, and yet the screw the, the 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 recap at the beginning could not possibly have been staged. And I don't, I don't understand how it's done. Do you know? They they record the episode and then they use those inserts to play them in at the beginning. But of the if they next record episode. the whole episode, they have to then cut the tape up to edit it. No, they're re- they're recording it with film. 
And then it's played back on film. It's, I'm not sure how it's played back, but that's my understanding. The telerecording. Although by the time we get to Quatermass and the Pit, which is Quatermass 3, they may have had better recording. Technique. I mean, well, they are recording great. it. It looks. They are recording but, I mean, it for, because first, they did not stage this one live a second time. This is far enough in the future that they were able to run the tape. So this one is taped. Well, obviously it's taped. Well, obviously, obviously what we're watching is a recording of it, which, you know, is, is understood. And, it, and it's really, really excellent quality. It's very, very impressive. It is, it is and, good. Yeah. And, and the recaps at the beginning, this slightly tedious tangent, but the recaps at the beginning are every bit as good in quality terms as the rest of the episode. So I'd expect, you know, some generational loss, whatever technique they use to edit it together. But uh, yeah, it was just uh, it was a curiosity to me. Is it possible that there's been some digital fiddling to make it better? Well, the whole thing, I'm sure, has had a lot of work done on it. I understand um, that it's the, the the same master now that we... Uh, I should explain um, for UK listeners that this whole thing is currently available and for the next few months is available on iPlayer, mm-hmm. um, which is a fantastic opportunity. So, I mean, really, if you haven't watched it, stop and go and watch it now. And um, elsewhere, it is available on the currently available DVD is the same master as this. So, again, yeah. the, the, the work that went into that. And, you know, to be honest, you need to watch this. <laughs> it, <laughs> it, it is... It is um, um... It has been called, what, the best and the finest the BBC has ever done by people at the BBC and not just Nigel Neal. But I mean, I mean, OK, here's the, here's the thing about uh, about Quatermass. This is this is the third of a number of uh, Quatermass serials that were made. And I think you're right in the sense that it has reverberations through British culture that mean a lot of people are aware of it because... You know, there's a generation around who watched it at the time and there's a generation whose dads watched it and so forth. But it's not like Doctor Who, let's say, in the sense that Doctor Who has a kind of enormous cult following and has been made, remade, endlessly... Sp- and, and it's not just Doctor Who, I mean, any any number of other sort of significant television serials you know the uh, avengers and uh trying to think of other other science specifically science fictiony examples of the era Mm -hmm. but um didn't the the, didn't the plant uh doesn't the plant make you think of the in the the avengers the one where it is a an alien from venus oh the man eater of surrey green doesn't that make you think of the quatermass experiment a little bit i mean it's not a person no it doesn't actually it makes me think of um, Day of the Triffids. I, I was kicking myself. I don't know whether Day of the Triffids has gone out before this, um, but if it has, I was. It, we recorded it before this, and I was kicking myself for not mentioning it because there's a there's a significant uh, similarity. But I, I mean, I think my point in relation to to Quatermass is that there are um, there are there are TV series of a very similar era that are quite rightly in their own right, regarded as classics and have had, you know, feature film remakes and spin-off series and all the rest of it. Quatermass made huge ripples at the time and in the years following, because obviously there were then uh, Hammer films mm-hmm. made and, uh, and, and then there was the, the fourth serial, which came later in the 70s and 
I think it was a fifth serial on the radio in the 90s, but I would, I would sort of say diminishing impact from those. To, you know, to me, the impact of these is, for example, and I'll, I'll stick with Doctor Who, the first Pertwee years, they were retooling this to Quatermass in yes. many ways. It, it, there's, there's little or no doubt that that is what they were going for uh, in that Earth-based, um, sometimes superstition is is actually alien technology and and you know i mean and and you know going back to all three quatermass serials the first the quatermass experience long gone unfortunately quatermass 2 is still in exists um Mm -hmm. i haven't been able to get my hands on it yet but uh it 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 exists and it's also on dvd and i'm i'm definitely getting it now (laughs) oh good Good. Glad to hear that. Because uh, <laughs> I, I definitely want to do Quatermass too, and I don't want to, you know, I don't want to derail it in point. But but there are some there are themes in Quatermass one. This is man going into space and a, a human being transformed into a well humans being transformed into a, a creature that threatens the destruction of Earth. Mankind's exploration brings back danger to destroy which you know you could put to a frankenstein theme but it's it's in a space context this is one of the earliest examples of that quatermass 2 is about an alien invasion that's already here that's taken over the people um you know spearhead from space in some ways uh it you know these are and these are firsts and here in quatermass and the pit but this is the supernatural is actually alien race memory technology stuff i mean these these are it these are themes you see over and over and over and over again they come oh, back absolutely. here they land Absol- right absolutely here. but the point the point that i'm i'm making in a rather roundabout way and somewhat badly is that some some tv serials who, whose influence we feel are maybe more slow burners they 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 gain a cult following over time whereas that's not true of Quatermass. Quatermass was a huge popular hit at oh, the yeah. time. And that's what you see in in the you know the fact that the goons and Hancock did their own kind of um reactions to it. Because we're talking about an era where when when Quatermass started there was one T V channel and that was it. Mm-hmm. And and even even at the point of Quatermass and the pit you know, ITV is only what about four years old at that point. So pretty much everyone is what everyone who's watching television is watching this, and it and it's it it is getting the viewers. And basically, the BBC is at this point turned eight o'clock on Monday nights into brown trouser time nationwide. Mm-hmm. And so it, it it's almost it's almost the opposite in the sense that at the time you wouldn't have been able to throw a brick without <laughs> hitting someone who had seen and, and and had been avidly following the serial and yet now i suspect that relatively few people have actually seen quatermass directly okay, okay so then let, but, let me all right go ahead well i was just going to say it but indirectly the you know the influence that that it is i mean that's the the two things that have struck me you know finally watching it having heard about it over many many years is one wow i mean this really is as brilliant as everyone says. And two, wow, this really is as influential as everyone, everyone says. says so that, that's my point. Um, when I was saying it's kind of hard to, to measure up the, the impact on either side of the pond. No one saw it here. No one's talking about Quatermass. No one. And yet it is just as influential in what mm. we see and hear now 
in science fiction. So, yes, it was a phenomenon. I had something like, what, 9 million viewers watching when there were only 11 million television sets? Or 9 million TV sets watching it when there were only 11 million TV sets or something like that? It had everyone watching it in Britain by the end of it. It was absolutely... Um, there's a there's a quote by Nigel Neal where at the end of the last episode he said he was standing out at the towers at the thing looking at and just realizing that every TV that you could see in a window and every light that was somebody <laughs> sitting there was watching his show. It was you know it was a absolute phenomena in terms of everyone knew it, everyone saw it, everything. But it is not, and that rightly is influential and it is rightly as as and it is excellent. But even there, that influence managed to come across and has been gone on and everywhere. And that's why, you know, that's why that is what comes to my mind is a little bit more just how influential this thing is, because the phenomena never happened here. It doesn't mean that the phenomena didn't happen and that it wasn't every bit as big as it is. But yeah, it's it's. um, it's far pe- reaching. People, people who are making this kind of thing were, were familiar with it, and and I do. I I can't believe that people on your side of the pond weren't aware of it. Because if I think about the movies, we are, how, but they're years later. Uh, well, yes, I yes, I guess so. And 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 obviously, the movies are have, have been for longer, much more readily available, and is and in some senses are more accessible um, because you're not watching an old off TV black and white recording, but. Um, but, you know, in terms of thinking about having gone through all of Kolchak, looking for influences on the X-Files, and, I, and then I look at Quatermass and the Pit, and I think the, the parallels here are, 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 are much stronger. And, in fact, the, the parallels on, on uh, Kolchak, when, you know, Quatermass scampers off to the library to, to sort of look up these things, you think, well, people writing Kolchak were not unaware of this stuff. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I they mean, must. They think, must. I mean, even if it was through the films, they must have been. I guess. I guess that's true. I'm sure that the people watching these probably saw the Quatermass. I saw the Quatermass films. But here's another weird thing about the Quatermass films. Um, there are the three, one for each Quatermass um, serial, and only one of them has no. None of them have Quatermass in the name in the American releases. So for in the starters, American releases, in the, yeah, the, of the movies themselves. I, I yes, I think over here they have similar names, but like Quatermass Experiment is spelt without an e. Yes, so that you can emphasize the X rating that the film got. And then Quatermass Two on TV was Roman numerals, but over here, uh, but but uh, but in the cinema was a an Arabic two uh, for reasons that I don't fully really understand. Anyway, well, they were they were given different titles in the states then because the name Quatermass wouldn't sell. In Britain, you put the name Quatermass on everybody's, I'm going to go see Quatermass because everyone, everyone knows it. it. Yeah. Over here, nope. And in fact, I would guess, I mean, I, I know that I've seen all three films. Absolutely guaranteed. Just like we've talked before, there's, there was World Beyond Theater Saturday or Sunday morning. I forget which it is. I think it's Saturday morning, 10, 10 11 o'clock. And always these old films and Hammer films and, and old U.S. 50s sci-fi films and whatnot. I absolutely positively know these. I doubt very much that I knew they were even related to one another. Hmm. That, you know, it wasn't just, here's a, you know, oh, that's another scientist has problems with space. I'm watching that one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they, they probably weren't shown in order. They certainly weren't shown back to back. They, you know, one week after the other, they, they just didn't schedule them that way. You know, probably just didn't, didn't put those things together 
um, and, you know, give them a very different look. I mean, the, the, the earlier ones have a different look than five million years to Earth, which is Quatermass in the pit over here. Um, you know, but that doesn't mean that you didn't take in what it was about, even if it was somewhat simplified and perhaps not as, well, not as good. Absolutely not as good. Certainly nothing. Five million years to Earth is not as good as Quatermass in the pit, the BBC serial. Yeah, yeah. Which, which again, may be why it, the, the, I mean, I hope people are rediscovering it um, now that, I mean, it's not that it's particularly recent that this excellent print has been available, but it's obviously um, fairly recent. It's been put up on iPlayer. And I, you know, I, th- I think having a great restoration is, is something that's going to make it a lot more accessible. Yeah, absolutely no problems with it whatsoever. You know, when I was watching, I mean, it's a gorgeous, um, you would think that they were making it for posterity. That print. The other, you know, the other, gonna... th- the other thing that uh, I, I kind of felt about. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know whether I've got this quite right, um, because in, as I say, in some ways, you're never less than fully conscious that you're watching something that's actually being broadcast live. But it doesn't feel dated in many ways. I mean, obviously, there are a number of ways in which it does feel very dated and it's contemporary serial and a big element of the story is it is the kind of immediate post-war aspect of it because they you know they suspect it's an unexpected unexploded bomb the war's only ended 13 years previously etc etc um but the style of it certainly in the first three episodes i thought um it became a little bit less naturalistic in the second half, was my impression. Um, um, my understanding, and I'm not seeing the name here in front of me, and so forgive me if I get it wrong, but I believe it's Richard Cotier? Cartier? Cartier, Cartier, C-A-R-T-I-E-R. Was the producer, and at that time the producer was basically the producer, the director. Yeah. The whole work. He probably is a little... Um, under-respected for the success of these than he should be. You know, the, the success oh. is, is leaped on Neil and his and his script, and rightly so, but you, what you are bringing out here, that's Cartier bringing yeah. He He was apparently He's an terrific. incredibly innovative and terrific uh, director at a time when it was very much stagey play, uh, work done he, he yes, really pushed the yes, boundaries absolutely. of the medium and and both of these people both of them neil and carter are people who influenced the the very fabric of the way the bbc operates for decades and, and i i think i think it's that element of pushing the boundaries that in in some way makes the um the limitations a bit more apparent in the in the sort of second half of the serial because it is so ambitious as as this as the scale of the story they're trying to tell increase because it's it's the wonderful the atmosphere they they create at the beginning of of this kind of scientific inquiry and the the kind of friction as that rubs up against the 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 kind of military priorities when they think it's an unexploded bomb and those guys come in to do their thing all of that is extremely well told and then of course uh, you know, as you describe in your your synopsis, all hell starts to to break loose, and some of that doesn't doesn't quite come off. Although some of it, I was just the 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 sequence in episode six, which I think is the the, the strongest episode of the, the the second half, where Potter is up in that house um, knocking bricks out, and even though you can kind of see the whole wall wobbling as if it's made of mm-hmm. cardboard, which it presumably is. Um, 
the way they get the floorboards to shake is just extraordinary. So they do some things very, very well, but the, but there are other things where oh gosh, and the the um, the Martian in the smoke above the 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 model of the thing mm-hmm. is spectacular. What an image! It kind of distracts you from the model of the ship, which is a little less. Which is, which so. is which is much more obvious. So so yes, some 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 of those some of those things are more obvious. Some of the things like flying over London, where you never get to kind of look down. It's entirely described are it, it's a few of those kind of giveaway things that remind you of the technique that's going on there's a there's a lovely moment where we go straight from a, a scene involving Quatermass when he is summoned to the war office and we cut straight to the I think it's the minister mm-hmm. lecturing him and telling him off and the the kind of language of tv because obviously you know, Cartier is, I mean, presumably not just fluent in it, he's defining it at this point. Mm-hmm. But what we expect is a cutaway to see Quatermass's reaction to the scolding he's getting from the minister. But they can't do a cutaway because Quatermass has just been a scene in a scene on the other set. Mm-hmm. And he needs time to get to sat, sit in the chair. So you get the you get the, the, the cutaway, you know, a paragraph later or whatever, um, the second time you would expect it, but the first time you kind of feel it should be there and it's not, and you you kind of know why. But um, yeah, you know, it, it's not it's not a it's not something that detracts, but it is there. There are moments where you feel like there should be something shown on screen, and you're 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 you're, you're getting a, a a kind of version of it that doesn't quite do justice to the story it's being told. Now, my understanding. Um, step back because I want to make a point about the structure of this story. My understanding is that Quatermass experiment, the first one, was darn near, if not the very first original BBC drama serialized that went, that was created. Prior to that, they'd been doing adaptations um, and that Neil's job was being an adapter and, and doing scripty things for stuff that was going out and they had some sort of a, a they had a gap in their schedule and they gave him the opportunity to pitch and run with something and so that's one of the reasons why people put Nigel Neal as being a father of this sort of what we now know to be you know a, the, a huge amount is, of the output of the BBC is is that way and and, and is that is that is is that because you're saying this is groundbreaking because it was, uh, or rather, the experiment is groundbreaking because it was a serial, or because it was original. I think both. In being I mean, they written were, for TV. I think it was both. Um, I think this is this is where they kind of came up with a format of what you know so much. Again, trying to characterize the differences between British television and American television. Miniseries, as we call them, were not common at all. They were one and done things and only occasionally would somebody come up with something so big that they wanted to make it into an adaptation over several parts and you know that is does not seem to be what characterizes british television um no i mean it it would be it would be exceedingly unusual in the theater would it not right and i think that's not you know i think a lot of the adaptations were just one part um things as well they were just they just ran them a little longer to do the, the play so this is you know he, he's either whether or not he is the first or not he was there at the groundbreaking part of it and uh, is a creator of that kind of drama in this format specifically designed for television and the reason i want to bring that up is this is a six-part serial and our listeners can probably compare this to we can name off any number of six-part doctor who serials okay? and 
There is a joke that runs around. Let's take use a four-part Doctor Who serial. Episode three is them running around corridors, right? It, it's, you know, you, the doctor arrives, the doctor gets in trouble. That's the end of that episode. Two, we get thing. Part three, he runs around in the corridors. Part four, he solves the problem. There is a, there's a sort of pattern to having to fit the format. And that applies to many, many serials that you will see. Equator Mess and the Pit, this is an onion that never mm. goes through that phase. It just, every time you get to, it's not even exactly a cliffhanger, but when you get to the end of an episode, they're just peeling back the layer that tells you what's going to happen in the next story. There is no, I don't see any drop in action, drop in, you know, time killing. There is nothing like that in this story. It is just so well paced and and rolled out that it <sighs> it's 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 really good uh it's it's really really <laughs> it good is. and it really stands out in contrast to a lot of other serials um to the point where i noticed that it's like you know there is no lull here there is no there's not a lot of foreshadowing either when you get to one you get to the next you get to the next these things that happen along the way they're logical progressions but they're not really laid out for you in advance so that you'll go like oh i know what's going to happen here next week it it just uh it, yeah it's it's well just except i i yeah because i i'm not sure i would i'm not sure i would totally agree that there are no cliffhangers no no that, but it's not they're the, not like the, oh the, the waiter mess is hanging off a cliff they're not that kind of ex- no they and in a sense they are much more organic and and they are much more it is, I mean, it's like you say, it's it's laying out what's going to happen next week. The one that sticks in my mind, I think it's the end of the first episode, is where Quatermass makes a point about the skull being buried above the capsule. Yep. And so it's not a cliffhanger in any of the kind of traditional sense of his being an immediate peril. But in the broader sense, the, that kind of cliffhanger is there basically to hook you in to get you to tune in next week to see how he's going how your hero is going to get out of the the peril they're in wow. whereas what you get with this is you tune in next week because what he said is so interesting yes that Something you want to, to find out week. more yeah yep it's uh, no yeah no faults there i mean again this is just this is just masterful use of the form of of the of television um which is I, really, I think, go ahead well i was going to say while we're heaping praise on it, I, I think one of the other things that stands out about the writing in this is how well the characters are drawn. Because you have, an, you have, a, a, as I've alluded to, to kind of characters with different agendas, and it's not just kind of the, the military and the, the the scientists, but actually among the scientists, mm-hmm. each have their own preoccupation. Quatermass is obviously concerned with uh what's happening to his rocket group um roni is 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 being somewhat uh mischievous or naughty and kind of going to the press in order to i wanted to, to talk about that was what i was going to bring up is is Roni okay, and, the, so, and the press so so my question there was <laughs> so roni for the for the listeners who haven't, who haven't seen this for for crying out loud go watch the show and then come back and go watch it go watch it watch it um roni they discover these fossils on a construction site. And the commercial nature of that is, is that the people at the construction site want to get on with what they're doing. They've spent a lot of mm-hmm. money to do this thing. And, you know, nothing 
this theme comes up in real life all the time. You hit something that's archaeological site when you're working on construction. That is just a pain for the construction company. It, you yeah. know, there is, yeah. there's it, nothing good that comes out of that for them. It's just, oh, no, now the people have to come in. So Roni comes in, finds these. He's trying to get public opinion on his side. So he holds a press conference with extremely preliminary information. There's a group of science, you know, there's a group of the, the lay press there. There's a, a, a scientist from the, or journalist from Paleontologist magazine. Mm-hmm. And he, uh, he even makes a sly, snide remark to Roni about, you know, you may have heard of it as if, you know, pointing out the fact that that, you know, this is how we do things in our business, not through the press. I mean, it's it's very yeah. obvious. And meanwhile, and I'll come back to that in a second. Meanwhile, when Quatermass, we all know, everybody stinking knows that's watching this, even in 1958, knows that's a spaceship, <laughs> right? As they start to uncover that a little bit more than the bomb, and you find out that the technology is, is you know, it's ceramic, and it's been there for five million years. As soon as you get that, as soon as you get that cliffhanger that it's been there for five million years, you know it's a spaceship. Everyone knows it's a spaceship. Does Quatermass even call it a spaceship before episode four? No. I don't think he does because he holds that back because he is more reserved in passing his wild theories uh, out. It's, you know, he's, that's not his job. His job is to take in the information and formulate a solid opinion before he gives it. Whereas Roni is, you know, pushing it forward to get his agenda. Is that a dig at Americans? I questioned because Roni is an American. I was expecting you were going and I, I was wondering if they were trying to, because that's a common stereotype when you're portraying Americans versus British. It's the brass and the reserved. The brass well, okay. The... So, I, I mean, I think that in some ways, Neil is using some archetypes in this, but I think he's using them incredibly skillfully because I think he's doing some, I think he's doing some of that as well with the, 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 the military stereotyping. But, the 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 point about the way he draws the characters is he is he I mean the way he sets up Roni with that press conference and particularly exactly that that uh, exchange that you mentioned with the scientist and paleontologist magazine he turns out to, to be just a complete minor character but he's there in order to point out that Roni is a bit of a a maverick who. It sounds a bit. It sounds a bit positive. Says Maverick, who doesn't play by the rules. If you're a scientist, that's not what you want. Right, so, but in drama, it is. <laughs> well, maybe, may but you. But it, but what it tells you is actually maybe this guy. He's not that trustworthy, but he comes to play an incredibly important role in the serial. And there is, you know, there is this uh, huge bond of trust between uh, him and Quatermass, even if they have quite different. A, approaches between themselves and it, th- for, for each character in this it seems to me there is an extremely well-defined motivation for for themselves so Roni desperately wants to pursue his his dig on this uh, construction site and so he's he's playing a bit fast and loose with some of the things he shouldn't play fast and loose with but he's doing it with an agenda and the the uh, goal for for Quatermass is you know clearly hanging on to his rocket group. Um, mm-hmm. Breen Breen has been put in there with 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 his uh, with his own agenda. But the way that um, Quatermass and Breen interact is not the kind of the kind of 
standard, in-your-face, confrontational, let's get a bit of drama out of this friction kind of approach. It's actually genuinely much more respectful than that. But interestingly, the first thing that Quatermass does when he has Breen kind of thrust upon him, supposedly as a, as a deputy, um, is when Roney turns up asking for his help, is he, is he actually makes use of Breen. He sees the value in the, the role Breen had. He sees it in, in pursuing his agenda, or at least helping, helping with, with Roney's agenda. And that's what I like about all of these. They've all clearly got their own agenda, but they use it consistently. And it, they behave in very realistic ways and they develop relationships and they're likeable. Mm-hmm. You know, even if even if Roni is this slight, you know, has this slightly unethical habit of calling press conferences and throwing about wild theories at the drop of a hat, you still like him when he's doing it. And because Breen goes in and starts telling Potter to pursue Quatermass's perspective on the supposed unexploded bomb, you actually feel, oh, right, we've got someone on our side here. So you you respect the authority that he brings and then later because Potter turns out to be a more sympathetic character himself you start to develop a, a an affinity for him whereas when he was introduced it was very much as a kind of antagonist towards Roni because he was the one who was saying no you know get out my way I'm 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 in charge here now this is an unexploded bomb site and so I I I was hugely impressed by the, the, the kind of quality and consistency and realism that was given to the characterization in this. But about the character of Full of Love? And but, is there a human being named Full of Love in the UK? <laughs> I don't know. There ought to be. There ought to be. I, 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 I mean, ba- basically, my answer would be the, the uh, yeah. And oh, the other character I meant to mention was Barbara Judd. Um, who and and again in in some ways you you see the stereotypes drawn out because the relationship that uh, Roni has with her is he does make various sexist comments you know when she's not there he says oh she's probably off shopping mm-hmm. or whatever which you kind of go but actually in all of the exchanges you get the authenticity of the relationship comes across because of his absolute trust in her as an assistant you know. He, he can rely on her to absolutely do what he's asking her to do. And he basically treats her as an equal in that. I mean, within the, the hierarchy that they're working, treat, treats her as an equal. And and so uh, similarly, what, what develops in the relationship that Quatermass strikes up with Fuller Love is out of uh, a kind of mutual professional respect. So... In one sense, there, sh- there should be an antagonism between them because Breen said, "No, no, we don't want the press." But, but on the other hand, actually, Fuller Love is a an investigator. Peter Mass who... is using him too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. To try and, to get and, around and, Breen and his bad ideas. Yeah, and and it, and it's, and then and you get that confrontation when Breen is trying to tell his 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 German hoax story to the rest of the press. Fuller Love is now fully subscribed to Quatermass's theories, to the point that Breen can actually ridicule him a little bit for his having pursued the, the kind of the ghost story and the, the kind of historical Hobbes Lane myths. The thing that I'm not quite sure um, is, is necessarily successfully played off is the whole role of the, 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 the press in this. Because I, 
I thought it I I wasn't quite sure where it was it was going and in the end it gives you I suppose it gives you a bit of a perspective from the outside view although ultimately not enough because they have to resort to that un, previous previously unintroduced American news reader to describe the way in which London has been completely cut off mm. yeah uh, again not knowing exactly how the press played the game in the 1950s uh you know is is full of love the 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 thing they aspire to or is he a pain in the rear that's not playing the game and or a little bit of both and well i don't i again i think he's more rounded a character than that because he's he is clearly quite full of himself oh i do have a question when 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 the news editor's flattering him it's it's or or trying to get his own way It's, it's by putting full of love's name in the headline you know Full of love debunks military myth or whatever. Okay. The line he gives. Here's my question. So at one point, they're having a little quiet moment. Quatermass says to him, so full of how long have you been a journalist? And he corrects him. Reporter. Yeah. What's the difference? <laughs> I mean, we, we've spent, you know, they used to call them reporters all the time, but now they call them all journalists. What's the difference? What, what was the transition that was occurring there in the semantics of that word that he didn't like about being called a journalist? I don't know. I picked up on it as well. I don't know the answer to the question. I know what reporter means to me, and journal- journalist, I guess, is a more general word. Would you say, you know, as a a, a, a writer for for newspapers, but it, it maybe includes more commentary or can include more commentary. I should I mean, say you don't go to journalism. You don't go to reporter college. You go to journalism college. You know, it, sure, it just, and and it, a... and it is part of this part of the skill of getting to facts. But a reporter is someone who is on the front line, and maybe that's the difference. It's first-hand stuff, isn't it? I guess it could be. I guess that that's probably what he was going at. He wants to be wants to make sure you understand. I'm there in the thick of it. So yeah, all right, I'll, I'll accept that. Uh, so let's, unless you, you know, we could go on about the structure of this. And, the, and the, the realization, the writing, all of it, exceptionally good. One thing, if I were to try to um, critique it, it's an enjoying ride along the way. Um, and and maybe there's, <clears throat> I, I don't want to say this a little too much because that's not, that that is not what I'm getting at. But the payoff of this being a story about Martians controlling man and, and the thing, the resulting disaster that caused that is very small part of that. There's there's a whole bit of this story that's about the unexploded bomb angle, and there's a whole part of the story that's about the fossil angle, and there's you know it doesn't <clears throat> it comes up to this idea towards the end, probably as you would put it in the second half of the story about the Martians and the supernatural and the and and that part is so very very influential going forward. Um, in, in so many other stories. How, how did that part of the story, you said that second half wasn't necessarily as strong. Where, where, where do you, is that because of that? Or is that despite of it? Or, or, or where do I you? Don't, I, I don't think it's the, I don't think it's necessarily the supernatural elements that are problematic. I did think some of the performances became more uh, heightened in the second half. So I. Was that intentional I, though? Because the thing is I think it was. On, okay. I think it was. But I, I, I think Breen the way in particular. the thing the way it was re- yes Breen in episode four does start to behave very strangely and it it's it's kind of alluded to that this might be the effect of the capsule and and later on that that that's certainly referred back to but it becomes 
the 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 way the performance comes across is it's almost quite monotonous. It's, very, it's a little bit shouty. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think that episode four is, it, it, you know, is is in is in number of ways the, the weakest episode. The minister um, becomes quite a, an important character in that, and I think he's probably the main exception to what I was saying about the characterization and the quality of it, because he is a much more one-dimensional character he's certainly very difficult to like whatever his agenda is it doesn't seem to be good <laughs> well it is qu- it, it is yeah. i mean if you're if you're again i mean considering how how prescient neil is or or maybe i mean it's just accurate observation of the politicians of the day but politicians seem to have changed quite a lot over time and yet there is a line in that particular episode where um the the minister you know the minister the minister's agenda is to is to jump to the easy answers so that so that is is very very kind of simplistic motivation and Quatermass says to him you must hear the expert testimony and he says oh experts mm. and there's this infamous moment in the in the um the the 2016 Brexit referendum campaign in the UK where a, a cabinet minister by the name of Michael Gove, who was supporting the Leave campaign, infamously said, oh, I think we've all had enough of experts when he was being presented with evidence for why it would be a bad idea for Britain to, to leave the European Union. And 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 so it is exactly... So I may criticise the minister's character for, for being a little bit one-dimensional, but it, it's, it's right there in what, in what the minister says. And, and later in episode five... He he says to to Quatermass um, when when he because Quater, Quatermass is a is a scientist. His job is to go where the evidence takes him. And the minister says to him, "I demand of you, as a loyal government officer, complete cooperation." And he says this when he he doesn't like the direction that Quatermass believes the evidence is is leaving leading him. And again. It reminds me of a fairly recent example, a little longer ago, when um, the Home Secretary in a Labour government, a man named Alan Johnson, sacked. The, I still can't believe he did this. I mean, it's just such... What, can, can you think of a, a worse Home Secretary? He sacked the chief government scientist because he pointed out that the risks from smoking cannabis were smaller than the risks from riding a horse and provided the evidence for it, which is not difficult because the evidence is there. And the Home Secretary did not like the evidence and demanded that the chief, the government chief scientist essentially retract and apologised for this. And when he didn't, he fired him. And this is what this is what Neil is writing about, you know, almost 50 years earlier than that event. Extraordinary. Maybe... Maybe humans haven't really changed that much. It's just what no. they get away with has perhaps increased a bit. Um, play the game better. So do you well, think, um, maybe you've already given me the answer, but I just want to check here. I was a little unsure with regards to the minister, whether or not the minister simply was dismissing Quatermass's ideas and... So therefore, Breen has provided him with something that's reasonable, or whether the minister probably knew that Breen's story was stupid and and went with it anyway. That was my criticism of the character that it that it wasn't there. 
there is a, a sense in which politicians are always presented as being venal and self-serving. And I'm not, I'm not trying to defend all politicians here, but I don't think self-serving is a terribly helpful way of describing what people who enter public office do. Um, in, I mean, in some cases, it is self-enrichment, and okay, fair enough, describe it as that. And I would say that is self-serving, but it helps to be a little bit more specific. Um, in other cases, their original motivation is actually more altruistic, but politics corrupts, mm-hmm. and that, that, that is the point at which, you know, the convenient answer becomes the one that you become desperate to adopt. And clearly, this is what our, our guy is looking for. He's looking for the most politically convenient answer that he can work with. But unless we know how he's reached that point, it's very hard to understand whether he truly is, um, it, you know, is, is he being completely cynical about it? He understands exactly what's going on, but he's just going for the completely short-term solution that, that, that suits him in that way. Or is he actually much more genuinely self-deluded he's convinced himself that that, that, that this must be right um and 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 i don't and i don't know and um, you know it's a minor it's a it's, it's a minor criticism of a minor character in the story um and it wouldn't really be an issue it wouldn't be something i would even comment on if the previous three episodes hadn't been essentially entirely entirely flawless <laughs> um in the as we go towards the conclusion of this episode, I don't get a feeling that there is a threat until you get very close to the end. Um, probably the first chance that, that it, you might even think that there's a problem is when the, the steel worker, uh, not the steel worker, but the, the, the drill operator uh, goes... Sladden. Yeah, ballistically weird. Mm-hmm. And stuff's flying around. Prior to that, there seem you know this seems to be entirely a threatless situation. Would would you agree with that? That that sure okay. Some noises made people a little it's ill, spooky, but yeah, <clears throat> spooky. But it's not dangerous. And the the people who got run out of that house not mortally dangerous. Yeah, you know that was that was fear, not danger. Uh, and that that has that's done all of these things at Hobbs Lane over the years. So kind of. When suddenly Quatermass is very big on the warnings, no, you can't have the press down there. No, da 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 da. It does it does ring a little as forced coming up on the end of the and, and the fact that it triggers such a huge um, reaction once they they give it a little jolt of power. Um, I, I does kind of lead the end to be a little almost confusing as to what the heck is going on there because I I I I'll admit it. There's the whole bit with the race memory about the termites doing the purge back on Mars in the hive, killing off anything that has a genetic mutation, which is, you know, pure speculation on uh, based on what we see on the recorded visual EKG device. They're pretty, we are seeing, we're definitely seeing killing. We're definitely seeing killing, but how did you work it out to be a ritual purge of why genetic mean, mutations? It, yeah. yeah. Uh, that that part I didn't get. We we clearly see them going through and killing a bunch of people in a hive. But why couldn't that just have been a war between two warring groups or or any of other a number of violent situations? So that, well, I, mean, that I think little... I think Quatermass is is relating it to the behavior of I was going to say other insects. I think he related it to termites. Yeah, Ter- termites and wasps, and or certain a certain species of wasp, perhaps it is. So he he's inferring that that 
certain natural behaviours with particular with colonies of particular types of species that have been observed to do this is similar enough to to basically conclude that that's what's going on here. Okay. Even though what's, even though what's going on here obviously seems to involve automatic weapons, that probably doesn't happen in termite colonies. <laughs> was it automatic weapons or was it like high beams like or something? I couldn't tell. <laughs> I could. That was a little bit difficult to tell what was going on in that in that scene, and you know it was supposed to be. But so, what is it that it's? What is it that that has been done to the humans to do this? Now that's where I got. What what were they? What were they doing to humans? To um, why? I don't get that part. There's a bit of talk about how the Earth is or Mars is dying. So for them to carry on, they're going to come to Earth. But Earth really isn't good for them, so they're going to convert humans. How does that how does that carry on the Martian race? And 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 of the things that they did to the humans to increase their intelligence, which I think is is what we we definitely see. What is the what is the the instinct that has been placed in there to kill those that are not alike? Is that intended to wipe out the non-augmented humans? Is that that, that, that's the part where it, it well, kind of falls down a little bit. It's like, oh, yeah, that's the thing the Martians did to us. So some of us have it and some of us don't. We'll kill the ones that don't. And I, I, no, that's, conf- not, that's not what I, that certainly, that wasn't what I believed was going on. Okay. How did you take it away from it? I guess it, it might, might be the case. I hadn't even thought about, because obviously what happened was they augmented a very small number of human or whatever ancestor of human we're talking about at this point and so what happened to all the others i don't know i mean they could have just died out naturally i guess well, i got the impression that he quatermass said they were doing it with thousands of, you know probably doing it all over the planet and i i just got the impression that modern humanity was the result of this program and it just happens oh yes that we yeah, caught yeah, yes. this this one instance yes. but but the the point about it is surely that what the Martians are, are doing is trying to try, tr- because, they're, because their planet is dying, Mars is dying, mm-hmm. they are trying to populate Earth with a race that is both like themselves in some respects, but also suitably adapted for the Earth environment in other respects. So, you know, physically, yes, completely different. But with these kind of well, I mean, it's not it's not too subtle. So let's let let's call it fascistic urges, um, you know, beneath beneath the surface, and and all of the kind of um, telekinetic uh, abilities and and so forth that presumably the, the the Martians had. So I guess I guess all that goes along with it, and it's a nice way of exemplifying the fact that these things have become dormant but can be awakened and and clearly that also applies to the fascism does that make sense i i guess i mean i i'm still trying to figure out what the martians and then unfortunately that's the sort of thing i get hung up on is what was the ultimate end game for the martians i think what we see is an incomplete game but just because one shipwrecked doesn't mean that the whole plan didn't go forward so it didn't save the martians um there is that there is that scene with the minister back to him where, and and later mocked by uh, Quatermass about, are you suggesting that we owe our human condition to the Martians? Which yeah. probably in 1958 was a little bit more on the nose. Yeah, a little. Yeah, a little more. Uh, 
uh, of a bonk bonk on the head to the Church of England. Uh, <laughs> bloody Darwin all over again, isn't it? Yeah, uh, rather than 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 God, which is kind of funny because if that's the case, and these things are actually the devil, because that's what you know, the horned beast. Yes, yes, uh, yes. yeah, yeah. It, it's definitely probably less uh, of a compelling. It's it's old hat now, but it's old hat because of this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's come and gone yeah, and see so the many influence times on the impossible so. planet, but uh, but uh, but I think I think um, there's a parallel I'm I'm going to draw to try and explain what the Martians were doing. That also makes me wonder if there's another kind of Doctor Who serial that this hadn't had an effect on. But it, it's it's somewhat like what happened to the Carleds or what the Carleds or Dals or whatever they're called did mm-hmm. in order to survive themselves. In a completely different environment, so they 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 strip away. So, so they weren't expecting the Martians to survive in the form that we see them sealed within the capsule. That that was a form of the race that was expected to die out, just as the kind of bipedal Carleds would end up dying out. But the race would go forward in the form of Daleks within their casing. And the, and this is a almost right. a kind of re- reverse process in the sense that the the Martian insects look a lot more like Daleks, and and we end up with bipeds that look like Carleds. But you're you're talking about some some form of survival of the the kind of genetic stock, and maybe even some of the the behaviours and values of the the race that lived on Mars. Then did it fail? Not necessarily. <laughs> I mean, I like all the. I like the fact there are all these questions about it. We, you know, we what we have are if you were a Martian, Quatermass and, and Roni desperately, desperately trying to join the dots here. This is not something they would publish in the Paleontologist, is it? No, but but if if you were to if you were to go back and find a Martian, go back six million years, find a Martian and say, "Hey, Martian, I want you to look at Earth. Does that count as you not dying out?" As a race, and I, I well, I'm not, I'm not, sure, I'm not sure the the Martian on the Clapham omnibus would necessarily agree that it does, but that may not. We, you know, again, it, it it's all it's all very very speculative. We don't know what. Presumably, it was a very hierarchical society, and therefore, actually, what counts is what those at the very top of the hierarchy believed was in the the interest of the race, or or maybe this was just some project of some crazy right-wing scientific wing of the martian society who who knows there's, there's cl- clearly there are going to be no records or any way of discovering one mm. or the other the best we have is is kind of a, a sort of occam's razor approach to saying well that might be the best explanation but it's unlikely there will be much more evidence available mm. but i like that it's definitely uh, it's definitely um one to ask a lot of questions and one to put a lot of ideas out there for a lot of writers for many, many years to come. Well, I think unless you've got any specific things you would like to bring up uh, further about this that we might let, let Quater Mass in the pit uh, uh, stand on its own, uh, we will definitely try to get hold of Quater Mass too. I'm, well, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, at the very least mention Trevor Duncan and his wonderful, wonderful music this it's so uh, so strong it's so much part of part of uh, what gives it feel and and the drama and it's it's very kind of evocative the, the theme is the credits roll but also all the incidental music terrific they were playing that live were they not were they i did i read that somewhere that 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 was maybe that was one of the earlier quatermass 
stories where they I actually thought, was I one of the innovations that Cartier did was that he had uh, he had the musicians in another studio uh, and playing the music uh, while it was live. I have I to say, know. I thought these I thought this these were recording. I don't know a great deal about it. I did a little bit of, of searching. I haven't had much time. I've only just managed to finish watching the serial, so I haven't had much time. But I. Because I liked music, I wanted to find out if it was released. And actually, um, uh, it seemed that quite a lot of the music had been lost until Marquez discovered the recordings that were used. Um, and that, what I understood by that was that, that, that were played in. Okay. Um, it's, it's probably, it probably was one of the earlier ones or one of the something earlier that talked about when I was reading about Cartier. Could, um, could, could well be. Could yeah. well be. Hard but, to uh, the, the, I mean, I just... I, that, the whole thing, the whole thing, and and it just feels so current. That that ending, the what Quatermass describes as the feeling when he is being possessed, it's that feeling of you're not one of us. You had to be destroyed, destroyed to 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 why you know why he went for Roni. And I and I'm thinking, God, this just this so much describes the kind of behaviour that seems to take over um, people who are Trump supporters or. Or Corbyn supporters when they get on Twitter, mm-hmm. they're they're just getting into that. You're not one of us. You you have you have to be destroyed, destroyed. Um, the yeah, what Quatermass describes the, the the deadly urges in us. Um, yeah, mm. if we cannot control the inheritance within us. This will be their second dead planet. Yeah, that'll be a interesting epitaph for the planet Earth. Watch it, everybody. I mean, well, I'm hoping everyone has watched it by now. I I mean, I ju- I just think. This is superb. It is one of the one of the best science fiction serials I've seen, no question. Well, uh, thank you for joining me for this discussion, Simon. My pleasure, as always. And listeners, thank you for being here, and we hope you'll join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. You've been listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. Find out how you can be a sponsor and get early access to all episodes and more at patreon.com slash fusion patrol. Come join the conversation on Facebook or Twitter. All episodes are available at fusionpatrol.com. Our music is Fight the Future by Amber Wolf. This has been a Lone Locust production.